Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to start there. And then uh, if you're really eager, you can put your finger in Luke chapter 19 as well. And the title of the message today is very simple, kind of what we're talking about all month long uh, in a roundabout way. But I just use the the main title today is Jesus Changes Everything. Jesus Changes Everything. And in Luke chapter 4, we see a very interesting uh, passage of scripture in the beginning of the chapter, that's when uh, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted and he's tested by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting, he's praying, uh, and this is before he starts his ministry. And he goes into the wilderness, and when he comes out of the wilderness, it says he starts teaching and going around to local synagogues and reading the word of God and talking with some of the leaders and some of the people. And then he comes to Nazareth. Uh, and he, he comes to an impasse here, and, and it's kind of a pivotal marker in Scripture because this is the point in time where Jesus is like, hey, wake up, I'm here, everything's about to change. And in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, it says this. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee. I mean, a lot of Christians, you know, it's just me and Jesus. I just have my relationship with Jesus. Well, if it's you and Jesus, I tell you where Jesus would have been on Sunday. He went to church. He went to the synagogues. He taught. He preached. He sat with the people. He prayed with them. He did life with them. Even though he is the savior of the world and the answer to everything, he knew it was important to be with God's people in the gathering. And so he goes to church and and they start thinking, like, this Jesus guy is is pretty good. His teaching's pretty good. And, And Jesus is like, okay, now you're starting to recognize me as a good teacher. You're starting to recognize me as someone who can take apart the word of God and show it to you. And he goes, I'm going to show you something that I'm more than that. And if any preacher today does what Jesus did here, they're a heretic. (laughs) Only Jesus could do what happens next. And so when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual, everyone say as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up and he read the scriptures. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. It just happened to be handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. So he has all of Isaiah, and Jesus goes, I'm going to go find the place that talks about me, that changes everything, and from this point on, how people see me, how people view me, how I start moving in their lives needs to change. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where this was written, and it says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. I was like the pastor getting up, reading the scripture, and I go sit back in my seat. Everyone be like, okay, what do we do next? Worship team thinking, we don't have another song. You didn't tell us where we're going. Quick, Lord, give somebody a word. Hopefully, like, it just gets awkward. He sits down, it's silent. They intently stare at him. It says, all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. 
He said, the scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Like, that's a bold move. Now, like, we could take those scriptures and any person who carries the heart of God, the spirit of God, say, hey, God's anointed me. I want to I bring the good news. I want to do those things. But Jesus was taking it to another level. He's saying, no, no, the very fulfillment of when and how this is going to happen and the spirit of how it's going to happen, today, today it's happening. Because from times past up until today, this has been prophecy. This has been a time where God was going to change everything, where God would dwell with man. And Jesus takes that portion of Scripture. He reads it to them. He sits down and he says, it's fulfilled. I'm here. I'm about to change everything you know and you believe about God. I'm about to open up the door to his purpose, his plan, the future, the things that you've been waiting for. Sometimes we forget when we're not studying the Bible constantly that from the time of the prophets to the time of Jesus, there were what called the 400 years of silence. They're waiting for words. They're waiting for something new to happen. They're honoring God. They're doing the things that they need to do. But nothing new had really stirred prophetically or into the future. And Jesus one day at 30 years old sits in the synagogue, reads the scripture, and he says, hey, that was about me. And everything is about to change. And so it started the murmuring and the talking and the questions because some people were saying, Okay, we heard Jesus was going around to different churches and different synagogues, and he was preaching, and he was teaching, and we heard great things, but now he's home in his hometown in Nazareth. They're like, isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? Like, we know him. He grew up with us, and they started questioning these things, and then Jesus kind of like calls them out on it. But I want you to know today that there are moments in time, and when we meet Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, we can hear about him, we can talk about him, we can say, I've heard that God loves me, has a wonderful plan for my life. I can hear that God sent his son to die for me. But there is a moment where the word of God, the prophetic word, becomes fulfilled in our heart, and Jesus says, this is who I am, and you now have to choose how you're going to Receive me. There are encounters that come to our lives where Jesus says, I am everything you've been looking for. I am everything that you've been hoping for. I am the answer to your bondage. I am the answer to your brokenness. I am the answer to the lack of vision that you have. I am the answer to the lame areas of your life. I am the answer to all of it. But will you receive me? And for many of us, we have these moments, we call them our salvation experience, and we're so excited. And it's amazing that God would love us and he would die for us, and, the, and we actually believe that if he could save us, he could change us. And a couple weeks ago, I, I was just thinking of this now, I was at uh, the funeral for uh, Tamara's dad, and I just kept hearing story after story of how this family knew their father one way, and then when he met Jesus, it was miraculous how the days started changing, how the love started changing at home, the conversation started changing, the things he went after in life started changing. And, and, and I was like, this is who God is. He intersects our life and he comes to us and he says, this is who I want to be to you. And when we embrace it and believe it, we can walk it out and come to a place where we truly see the change that God wants to have in us. But some of us, we serve God a long time 
We're like, yeah, I'm so grateful Jesus changed everything. I got saved, praise God, hallelujah, all these things. I learned my Christian knee language and all those things now. And we're going through our lives and actually living at a place where we don't actually believe Jesus could change the immediate situation we're in. We really struggle to believe that this new thing that we're facing, we got to figure it out because I don't know if God wants to change the situation. And sometimes, yes, he wants you to work through it, and sometimes he's teaching you through it. But I want us to come back to a place where we look at our lives and we realize that because we walk with Jesus, because we know who he is, everything can change and everything should change from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, the dreams that we have, the way we interact with people. But often we bottle it back up to an experience of I got saved, I gave my life to Jesus and that changed me and it changed my eternity. Now I'm going to keep going and figuring this out and once in a while I'll shoot up a prayer and I'll call on God's name because I need him in this situation. But it's more than that. And then we get stuck in situations that probably require a miracle and then we're like, okay, well if it requires a miracle, now we need Jesus because he can change everything. And can I tell you that miracles are great. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of God. I believe in healing. I believe in the the power gifts for today. And I believe that they can bring great glory to God and lead us forward. But I I actually think that miracles sometimes become, uh, uh, i got to be careful how I say this, but they become a, a lesser reality of the Jesus we're meant to live with than God's full purpose for our lives. And, 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 and what I want you to know today is if we're going to talk about how Jesus changes everything, I want you to know first and foremost is that, uh, you know, miracles are great. Why? Because miracles make you look, but there's always more to a miracle than meets the eye. I want you to know that miracles make you look, but there's always more to a miracle than what meets the eye. You go throughout scripture and you start seeing miracles that Jesus performed. So this scripture is tied to who Jesus was. The lame walk, the blind see, the captive set free, the day of the Lord's favor is here. And some people live life thinking that if God does a miracle, I'm favored by the Lord. Well, the reality is, is the miracles pictured here, I've actually preached a whole series on this in years past. I actually believe that there's a message behind those physical miracles that actually show a spiritual nature and transformation that God wants to make in our lives when we follow him. Because sometimes we're like, well, I didn't have that testimony. I wasn't lame in my feet and got healed. I wasn't blind and God opened my eyes. I didn't have some big miracle in my life. And then we think we have no testimony. But the meaning of the miracle goes so much deeper than the physical attribute that's being changed. For instance, take the blind man in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, there's a blind man. He's sitting there. He's begging. And uh, the disciples start arguing, who sinned, this man or his parents? (laughs) And Jesus says, neither. And then he goes into this weird thing about, well, the light is here and this and that. And it's like, it's totally like this tangent that nobody understood what he meant at the time. You go back to it later, it makes more sense. Like, I'm going to be the light of the world is what he's tying into this. But the man's born blind. And Jesus says, no, neither. But that the glory of God might be revealed. And so the blind man's eyes are open. But have you ever looked at this story and thought how the disciples' eyes were open? 
There was a spiritual significance that God was saying, the opening of this blind man's eyes is to show you that we are to open eyes from darkness to light, that it's not about the sin, it's not about the issue, it's not about this. It's actually catching a vision of who Jesus can be and the thing he can do and how he can change all of that stuff. And it doesn't matter how the mess happened, but Jesus sees beyond that and wants to bring people into that. And you're like, well, I, I, was, I was never blind and had my eyes open. I'm like, no, but there was a day where the way you saw your situation, the way you saw your life, the way you saw your circumstance, the way you saw everything was so darkened and blinded by the things of this world and this age. And it was one day Jesus comes in. You can live with hope. You can live in freedom. You can see things differently. You don't have to live that way. And God changes your vision and opens your eyes to see spiritually, not just naturally. I mean, the message in these miracles goes so much deeper than what's on the surface. Another instance that I really like is Jesus' first miracle, wedding at Cana. It's crazy that Jesus' first miracle would turn water into wine. I was like, God, if you want to confuse Christians about alcohol for a time and ages to come, why is this the first miracle that Jesus performed? And we're not here to get into all those opinions, but Jesus, at a wedding, gets dragged in by his mother, and, and, and she tells the servants, do whatever he tells you, and he turns the water into wine, and, and the miracle there shows that there is new life, there's new joy, there's a joy of salvation that comes, there's an there's a idea that if Jesus is present the best is not over. Like, that's the, the story there. And, and we got to keep coming back to that. And we might face things and feel things and, oh, no, and I can't believe this happened. But, but Jesus is like, hey, if I'm here and if you're obedient to me and you know who I am, I'm going to bring a joy. I'm going to bring a peace. I'm going to bring something to your life. And, and the best is still yet to come. As long as you invite me in, as long as I'm present, as long as you hear my words, uh, there's going to be a fresh life. There's going to be a newness that can come out of you. But sometimes we're like, well, I thank God for salvation. I thank God for a new life. Well, that was great maybe 20 years ago, but where's that today? Where's the joy today? Where's the dependency on Jesus? When it's, God, I'm running out of emotional strength. God, I'm running out of my finances. God, I'm running out of all these things. Where is the point where we say, Lord, I need to hear what you want to say. I need to be obedient to what you call me to do. And I need to trust that the future in front of me is bright because I'm walking with you. And see, miracles are great, but there's so much more to that when you walk with Jesus. And, you know, I look at a story like, let's go to the Old Testament, Naaman. Naaman was this great man, wealthy man, captain of the army, uh, had everything and anything he wanted. But it says Naaman had leprosy. He could change everything about his circumstance, his situation, everything in life. Uh, there were soldiers at his command. He could build houses. He could buy things. He could do whatever he wanted. But he could not change his leprosy. And then there's a prophet that says, well, God can heal your leprosy. And he tells him to go be obedient, to dip in the river seven times. And he gets angry. Because his pride 
was a huge part of the sin that was holding on to him that wouldn't let go. And God wanted to change that. And he had to lay that down, dip seven times, be obedient to what God had for him to experience the new life that God had for him. Like, he wasn't even going to do it. He had to have a friend tell him, hey, like, listen, if the prophet would have asked you to do some, like, incredible quest and go pay this and do this and all that, wouldn't you have done that? He's like, well, I guess so. And he goes, then, so why, like, going and dunking in a river seven times, why is that so hard for you? Like, he needed a friend to point out, this is holding you back from God's best for your life. And all of us are like Naaman. We can't deal with our sin on our own. We can't buy our way out of the brokenness and the deterioration of what it's eating at our lives. But yet with Jesus, it says that we are covered by his blood and our sins are no more. And we can live a life by faith through the son of God who loves us, who gave himself for us. And so the message in the miracle, like even in Naaman's leprosy, is that we all are spiritual lepers. But when we submit to the covering of the blood of Jesus, to the washing of the blood of Jesus, the real miracle is, is that we are healed and made new and we move forward because of who Jesus is. And, and so often in life we say, yeah, Jesus changed my life. He changed everything. And no quicker than the miracle has gone by a few days, a few weeks, a few months, if it doesn't hit our heart and we don't see the spiritual depth of meaning, we forget who our Savior is. So I want you to know, miracles are great, but the miracle has a much deeper meaning. I've seen people completely healed, transformed, said, God, if you heal me, I'll serve you forever, this and that, and then life gets easy, their sickness goes away, whatever they're dealing with, and they forget the Lord. Because they were healed in a physical sense, but they did not take it into their heart and let Jesus be a part of the everyday. Let the healer actually lead them forward as Savior and Lord beyond that moment. And so I think miracles are great, and I think people need to see them and experience them so they understand the power of God. But we must not stop short at that. We must lead them into a full life with Jesus that leads us to believe that when Jesus is in us and with us and in our heart, he changes everything about us. Second thing I want you to know, though, is Jesus loves you, but he will call you out wherever you are. One of the struggles of our humanity is we have our personality, our way of doing things, our likes and dislikes, the things we've experienced, what we know. Some of these things can be the biggest hindrances in letting God do what he wants to do in our life because we've decided in our head, in our hearts, in a certain way that this is the way it's going to be. This is who I am. This is my personality. I, I knew one pastor. He's passed away now. He used to say this all the time. I don't like to lift my hands in church. Or people say, I don't want to do this in worship. It's not my personality, pastor. And he was meaner than me. He just said, well, then you have a bad personality. Let Jesus change it. He used to always say, he says, I'm going to smile real big because I'm about to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> we had a nickname for him, young pastors. We called him the Godfather. He used to wear pinstripe suits. But there's so much truth to the, to the point and the matter of fact that we come through life and often we, we've made the things around us or who we are or who we think we are bigger than God and what he wants to do. 
And so when Jesus says things about himself, and he, he really puts it out there, what he did in Luke chapter 4, <clears throat> was saying, this is who I am, and this is how you need to receive me. In his hometown, he goes on later in that passage to say that uh, no prophets received in their own hometown, and they start murmuring, and they actually try to stone him in that moment. Because they did not want Jesus as he was wanting to be to them. They wanted the Jesus they knew, Mary and Joseph's son, who's a good teacher, nice guy, but we'll take it or leave it if we want this. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm everything. I am the fulfillment of this, and you need to understand that without your recognition of that, you're going to go on blind and lame and wandering and stumbling through life in your religion because you haven't truly let me in to lead you where I want to take you. And so just as Jesus in the temple, he calls them out. Each disciple in their journey to follow Jesus, he calls them out. Peter gets put on the spot. He's by the shore. He's cleaning his nets. He's been out all night. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, launch out into the deep. Peter's an experienced fisherman. He knows Jesus, like Jesus, you're a rabbi and a carpenter. Build the boat, don't tell me how to fish. You know, that's what Peter could have said. And he says, Lord, we've been out all night, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And Peter makes a decision when Jesus says, are you going to do what I've asked you to do? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to walk with me? Or are you going to be, I know this. This is how it works. This is how it doesn't work. And he, so Peter just, he surrenders his heart and he says, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, I'll, I'll try. He gets called out in that moment. Matthew, he's a tax collector. He's sitting at his, his booth collecting taxes and Jesus comes by. He says, hey, leave this all behind. Come follow me. There was a cost to it. Matthew could have said, I don't know if I could ever get my reputation back. I've built this life where even my own friends and people don't really, they don't really like me anymore. And, and so at least if I have money, at least if I have this job, I have some stuff. And Jesus says, no, 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 come follow me. Let's, let's start over. And there will be moments in your life where you think you want things to be a certain way. You know you want them to be a certain way. And I'm not talking about having dreams, visions, desires in life. Those are all good things. Most of them are probably from God. But there will be moments that God comes to you and says, hey, I want you to go this way or that way. What happens when Jesus changes everything and it's not your plan anymore? It's his plan. That's rough. That takes time for us to swallow, but we have to come to a place where we say, Lord, I'm willing to be called out on this. I'm willing to come to a place where I follow you. And then one of my favorite people in this situation is a man named Zacchaeus. Now, if we look at Luke chapter 19, this is the only account we see of Zacchaeus in the Bible. And Zacchaeus had really, really kind of put himself in a rough place with the Jewish people. Zacchaeus literally felt like everyone looks down on me. He was shorter than everyone. He probably felt he had to make something of himself, prove something. So he's like, I'll show you. He, he builds himself up. And literally, Jesus calls him out one day. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Now, 
I was studying this and I was like, why is it only in the Gospel of Luke? Because that sometimes makes me curious. Anybody know why it was only in the Gospel of Luke? If you do know, you can tell me after. But uh, one of the things is that Luke, Dr. Luke, was an affluent man and follower of Jesus. And Jericho was an affluent city. And Luke is writing to show how even the people who think they have everything need Jesus. And this is why the story of Zacchaeus is so important, because Luke is writing from a place of, if I'm a doctor, if I'm respected, if I need Jesus, let's find another person like me that needs to understand how much they need Jesus. And he, he, he's with Jesus, and he sees the Zacchaeus experience, he goes, that's it. And so he writes it down, he puts it in there. It says, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector in the region, so he had become very rich. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. I feel that. Um, I'm just so blessed that my boys are blessed more than me in height. Both of them are at 13 and 15, pretty much taller than me. But hey, God's got different blessings for me, okay? He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. So Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was. He said, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And Jesus is walking down the road. Zacchaeus is like, I gotta, I gotta see Jesus. Truth be told, many scholars believe that Zacchaeus is probably thinking in his own mind, I'm an important person. They should have made a way for me to meet Jesus. But he had no friends, and being the chief tax collector and being wealthy, nobody liked him. He says, well, I deserve this. So a lot of people think that was his climbing the trees, like, I should be able to see Jesus because I'm this important person. And then Jesus calls him out, and Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down right now. I want to have lunch at your house. And it wasn't like... Zacchaeus being so hospitable and, oh, Jesus, come dine at my house and let me take care of you. It was like Jesus calling Zacchaeus out and saying, Zacchaeus, you need something that I have. Invite me over and we're going to change some things. Like Jesus' statement was more of a demand to Zacchaeus of the change he wanted to bring than, a, than an ask, can I come to your house, Zacchaeus? And I wonder how often in life that we think, Jesus is so meek and mild, and yes, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and, and, and God draws us, and he speaks to us, and he invites us into his presence. But I think some of us think we've got it all so together. There are times where Jesus is like, hey, listen up, bud. You better get things in order, and I'm going to show you some things that we need to work on because you're walking down a rough road, and you need me more than you think you need me. And, and so he goes, and he has dinner with Zacchaeus, and, and all of a sudden, everything's shaken up again. The crowd is displeased. People are, are upset that he's going to go eat with this notorious sinner. 
But the outcome can't be denied. And so today, if we're going to realize that Jesus changes everything, well, I want you to know that the miracles make you look, but there's more to it than meets the eye. We have to let spiritual transformation and change happen in our lives. That there are going to be days and times where Jesus calls you out right where you're at. And I think we got to stop resisting him when he calls us out deeper into our spiritual walk. Because it's not just the salvation moment. I mean, poor Peter, look at that one. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty direct conversation with Jesus, you know. And, uh, but there are days and there are moments and there are times that we need it, that, that we need to come back to a place in our heart and our spirit that we realize, Jesus, the only way this situation can change, the only way I can change and move forward, the only way I can become or do what you want me to do is by letting you show me that you need to be everything. And I'm not going to fix it on my own. But the last thing that I want you to know, we're going to have the band come back up. Is that when Jesus changes us, everything changes. Or at least it should change. Because if Jesus is changing us and nothing changes, I would go back to that place in his presence and reevaluate because all I know is the more I spend time in his presence, the more I get to know the Lord, the more I've invited him in. It's not him who's changing. He invites me to change. He invites you to change. And in Zacchaeus' life, he has this dinner with Jesus, this moment with Jesus. And it's so transformational that Zacchaeus says, Lord, if I've robbed or hurt anyone, I will restore four times. When Zacchaeus was willing to change his trajectory in life, his habits, his prosperity, his plan, Jesus knew that everything would change. One way to describe it is when Jesus saw that he had Zacchaeus' wallet, he had his heart. And I wanna ask each of us, what is the area that we've clung to so tightly that, man, if, if we would just let Jesus change that, we probably can't even imagine what he would do. And the story of Zacchaeus is an important one because Jesus was trying to change the way Zacchaeus saw himself. He did change that. He was trying to change the way people saw Zacchaeus. And he changed the way that people saw him as the son of God, as the savior, as the one who actually brings life change, who actually brings a fruitfulness out of someone where there is hurt and brokenness and pain. And I just have really been praying about and thinking about how in this year, in this season, 
We say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want to encounter you. Jesus, I worship you. I praise you. And we do all of those things. But we got to be careful that we don't make it about the one hour service or those things. Those are important. Jesus went to church. We encounter Jesus. But do we take away from days like today, from groups that we have, the time in his word, and do we actually sit in the presence of the Lord and let him speak to areas that need to change in us? Because when we do and when he does, everything will change. How we see people will change. How we open our home will change. How we believe Jesus to be powerful in situations that have us so frustrated will change. But we have to be those that are willing to come to the place and say, Jesus, it's only by your grace. It's only by who you are. It's only by your spirit leading me forward and me following you that I can truly change and become the new creation that you have made me to be. Jesus changes everything. And I'll preface it with this. He might not change your situation. But he will change you as you go through it. He will bring purpose to your pain. He can bring hope and healing through your hurt. He can bring other people to experience a new realm of life because of who you are. When was the last time you had a friend or someone you haven't seen in a while be totally shocked about who you are today because of what God's done in your life? Because I'm telling you one thing. If you've been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you're no different, you're like the guys at the gym who haven't left high school and they wear the same shoes and they wear the baggy sweatshirt and they sit on their phone and say they went to the gym two hours a day, five days a week and nothing changes. Like sometimes I'm at the gym lately and I look at some people and I'm like, oh, I remember starting, that's hard. And I think good for you. And I see the guy that's sitting there not even changed on a machine that I'm waiting for. And I'm like, my gosh, you're wasting your time because nothing changes. And I'm so glad that God is more gracious than me and he calls us closer to himself. But I should be a different man today than I was 20 years ago. See, if I wake up at my 20th anniversary and being married to Brandy like we did last month and I'm not a different person and she's not a different person than the day we got married, somebody has not moved forward in life naturally, in maturity, emotionally, or with God. But as we grow, as we change, as Jesus is the center, as he changes everything, Maybe our goals change. Maybe our heart changes towards some things like, but the tying thread is that if you are continually growing in Jesus and letting him soften your heart, you can grow with anyone because Jesus is leading the way. So when Jesus changes everything, everything changes. 
So why don't we stand this morning? I just want to ask one question. We'll sing this song and then I'll come talk about groups before we go, but I think a dangerous question for us to ask, but a necessary one would be to say, Lord, what's the area that I've been resisting you're wanting to work in my life? nobody in this room wants to answer that question honestly but I would challenge you as we sing to say Jesus I said I'm willing to follow you which means I'm willing to let you change everything in a hope that everything can change because you are bringing glory to yourself through my life Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you. 